0: Yes, welcome guys to another episode of the Winner's Circle, a podcast where we dive deep into the mindsets of professional soccer players presented by Grande Sports Training. Today I have a very special guest, a former soccer player, Jamaican international who played with New York Cosmos and the Tampa Bay Rowdies, Brian Cunningham. Brian, thanks for
1: being on the show, my man. I appreciate you, brother. It's awesome. I love being here and this is cool man this is really really cool <laughs>
0: yeah man How how's everything going how's everything going for you this whole quarantine thing I know it's been it's been a big little
1: hit but how's everything been for you it's I mean I, I guess day-to-day operations other than other than not being able to really go out for much of, of like a social life like work-wise everything remained as a matter of fact work work picked up for me with what I'm doing now it's entrepreneurship and everything but um it's it's been different man i just I, I noticed kind of how people are around one another and just how you know how our, our society has changed you know like we've we've undergone so much change you know as people so it's been good because my mindset this whole entire time has been on growth i feel like this is a good a good time to grow when when you're faced with adversity and things like this it's a it's a really good opportunity to take a deep look in so it's been a good it's been good. I've been doing
0: well, man. Thanks. Yeah, man. I know. I completely agree with you. I think this time has been a moment where we can all reflect and just grow individually as people and just become better overall. But that's awesome. I'm glad to hear everything's going well.
1: Thanks, man. How are you?
0: I'm I'm doing fantastic, but the show's all about you today. That's, (laughs) That's for a later time. But yeah, Brian, so you mentioned in there that you are doing entrepreneurship I know you started playing soccer, obviously, before getting into that avenue. So let's start, let's start way back, back, back. All right? all right? Where are you from? When were you born? When was the first time you started playing the
1: beautiful game? Uh, all right. So if you want my whole biography or whatever, just kidding. <laughs> oh, no, I was uh, born in Queens, New York. And uh, my family from uh, Jamaican descent. Um, uh, both my parents born uh, Jamaicans, naturalized. U S citizens. So, um, you know, their their lifestyle and everything that they set up for us, we were very fortunate. So I moved down to uh, Virginia and that's where I finished like high school and everything like that. Um, but I started playing soccer. I remember distinctively, um, soccer really started for me when I went to a game and watched my uncle play, my mom's brother. Um, I I was a baby, but, um, yeah, that's that's when the game really started for me. And then I remember playing for the Jets. I think I was U six in Virginia. Um, was it? Yeah, I think it was like U six or U eight. I don't remember my eight. That's crazy. That's like that's <laughs> a crazy fact. Well, that's actually some real genuine podcast though. Um, I don't remember the exact age I started playing soccer. Anyways, the Jets was my first team. And I was a crazy goal scorer back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, at that
0: age, at that age, I know. It's either you're scoring lots of goals or
1: you're stopping lots of goals. Yeah, yeah. I was always, like, just taking the ball, running off with it, and kicking it as hard as I could in the back of the net back then. (laughs) Yeah, I I know, I know, because
0: we played together, and one of your top (laughs) strengths is speed. You're fast, you're strong, and you're powerful when you're on the ball. So, I mean, if you had that as a kid, I can only imagine the the amount of damage you did playing those games.
1: Yeah, no, I, my game definitely changed over time, but I think speed was something that always stuck with my game.
0: Okay, so you said you got influenced by watching your uncle, your mom's brother, yep. and then you ended up playing for the Jets.
1: Yeah, it was, like the neighborhood, it was like the neighborhood youth soccer league, as a matter of fact, and we were called the Jets.
0: And when did you start playing competitively? You said that was around you six, you eight. Now... Moving forward, a little fast forward, when did you start playing competitively?
1: Uh, I mean, ASAP. Uh, fifth grade, I remember uh, I played for Atlantic Soccer Club in Virginia Beach. Um, we were one of the top teams. Or do you mean real competitively? Like
0: No, no, as a kid, as a kid.
1: Oh, like as a kid, yeah. Um, Things got really competitive for me in, like, fifth grade. Uh, I realized something was in me that really wanted to play, you know, play soccer and play my best every game and, and give myself to the game. Um, I, I was a goal scorer for my, for my team in Atlantic Soccer. Club. As a matter of fact, um, that first year, um, my childhood best friend, um, Brian Spray, we had the same last name, same spelling. We lived like five houses away from each other and his dad was our coach. And that was really cool because I actually... You know, like, that was also the beginning of what became my mentality towards training, which I feel like that was, like, my number one asset uh, as a player was, was how I trained and how I could prepare myself. But, um, yeah, me and, me and Sprague used to kick, kick the ball around and break people's fences and stuff all the time. Um, then middle school, uh, I realized that as a sixth grader, my coach, um, I, I think there was two sixth graders on the team, and I was getting minutes. So it was like, oh man, like I'm actually good enough to play. You know, those, that those years when you're 12, 13 and you're playing against 14 or what, you're 10, 11 and you're playing against 14 year old players. It was like sixth grade is when I started getting told to stay for the under 14s practice or the under 13s or whoever, like whatever older age group was practicing after my team, I was staying for practice then. So that kind of set the tone for everything else moving forward, you know.
0: So you hit on two very important things there. One was you had your friend's dad coaching, and you say that he kind of influenced you into building that mindset of of being competitive. And then two, training with older players. I I cannot stress that enough with the players I currently train now and with everybody on Instagram, Facebook, on social media. If you have the opportunity, you got to train with the older guys. I mean,
1: yeah, you have to because – You're always going to be like, for example, um, being a sixth grader and playing with, you know, eighth graders or, you know, when you're when you're in eighth grade, you're playing with high school players. So you're always looking up. And what that translates to is, you know, if you play in an NCAA Division One school, you're a freshman and you're going to be playing against guys who are getting ready for MLS combines or when you're a rookie in a professional environment, you're looking at the veterans to hear what they have to say about the game. So progress is so important, but the emphasis really needs to be on like the proper development. Like if, if it is too hard for you, if it is something that you're not comfortable with, if the technique changes, like go back to your age group and execute what you can at that level and then challenge yourself. You know what I'm saying?
0: Exactly. No, I completely agree. Cause I think, even the even though like it may be difficult, it's okay to get your feet wet here and there.
1: Yeah. You know. And so, and so sense, yeah. So it's like you train I like what I used to I would I would play with, you know, my even when I was like under thirteens and whatnot, you know, playing with the under fifteens, like I started playing what we have was the PDL back then. I started playing in the PDL, which is like semi pro college guys, ex pros, whatever. I started playing in the PDL when I was like fifteen. You know? And so I got to assess and yeah, sometimes I get my butt kicked, but, you know, I'd go back to my 13, 14 year old friends and do my thing. And then I'd go and test the waters again. And that was really important. you know. Exactly. And how,
0: how would you say you adjusted to training with the 14 year olds when you were 12? Like what was going through your mind? Cause obviously, you know, it's a little quicker, it's a little faster. They're a little stronger. What would go through your mind when you were at training, when you were playing,
1: Um, stick to what I do best you know so if if what was working for me with my fellow 13 year olds right if it was working for me there and the reason why these coaches called me in to come train with these older players is because they they like what they saw when they were watching me with my age group they're going to want to see if if I can do that with the big boys so you know If I'm going to be dribbling and playing fast and the things that I was known for, like speed, right, then I need to show them speed. And so that was what was on my mind is I may not be as strong as them and I may not know the game or the tactics as much as them. But when I get my opportunity, let me show them what I have. Let me do what I, you know, let me stick to my guns, you know. And
0: that's so interesting you say that because it seems like at a young age, you're already self-aware of your strengths. And I feel like a lot of times when you are put in a new environment, you kind of, you're scared to do what you always, always do. You're scared to do what's always working because it's a completely new environment. You don't know how it's going to, how it's going to be. You don't know how people are going to act. You don't know how you're going to react, but it seems like you, you kind of already had it in the bag. I mean, don't get me wrong. I I would assume that sometimes you felt some type of way getting in there with, with other players, but you still deep down, you knew I'm fast. I'm going to do, I'm going to do what I do
1: best but look, here's the thing. Here's the truth about it, right? These are my assets. I have to play to my strengths. So I may be, I may come to find out that I'm fast for a 13 year old. I'm not fast for a 15 year old. We don't know, but I, I'm not gonna, you know, if, if I'm not strong in the air, I'm not going to go try to be strong in the air with older guys. I'm I'm going to do what I did at my level. And I'm going to try to bring that to the next level. Cause that's, And I will say just overall, professionals, you know, all the world-class athletes and professional athletes all together, they will tell you that there's something that they do exceptionally well. There's a characteristic that they bring to the game that they're known for, whether it's in the box finishing, um, finishing crosses in the air, shooting from distance, whatever it is, like they have their bread and butter to go to. And everything else they do very well, but they have something that makes them absolutely exceptional. And so, from a young age, I was like, it's probably what my game is about. No matter what position or wherever they put me on the field, I need to bring this element. This is what I bring to the game.
0: And that self-awareness, Brian, do you think you learned it
1: from watching or just from you experimenting with it? Um, Both watching soccer, but also trial and error, because there would be times where I would try, oh, let me be more of a a two-touch guy or let me try to be more of this type of player and then coaches would immediately, you know, you're here for speed, use your speed. And I'm like, okay, it's obviously not what they want. So let me go back to what I need to do. So, you know, I did learn that from making mistakes, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So apart from being on the field, Brian, around that age, you know, obviously we encounter some off the field situations that we can bring onto the field. Like some experiences that you learn throughout your life, it's kind of that it could apply to the field and then vice versa. You know what I mean? Were there ever any experiences that you were kind of like, oh, if I think a certain way on the field, I can apply it in my life. or, or You know what I mean?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I think soccer has taught me some pretty fundamental things uh, of, of – in my personal development, I can say at least, it may not be the same for everybody, but um, soccer is what, you know, taught me a lot of the principles that I live by today. Um, One being that, you know, like in soccer, for example, they say the, the great players spend anywhere between, I think it's like a minute and 30 and two minutes with the ball, like cumulative time, you know, like the amount of time that they spend over a 90 minute period, But coaches are always talking about positioning, tactical awareness, spatial awareness, decision-making, you know, work ethic, things like that. All of these, you know, they all amount to one thing, and it's accountability. Like, there's 22 guys on the field. And we have to all cover, you know, 110 or, you know, 110 by 70 yards worth of space tactically to not allow the other team to penetrate us. So everybody's accountable for something. And if you don't put emphasis on your accountability as a person, you could be the guy that lets your team down. And so, therefore, you have to realize that it's not about you. When you have the ball, you dribble through some people, and you score, yeah, I mean, that's great. You score the goal, but the team gets the point. you know. But if you mess around and leave your man unmarked, and then he runs through, and then they slip a pass through your defense, and then boom, They score and now the game's tied 1-1 that goal that you just scored that you felt so good about yourself now is no longer it's no longer relevant because now we have to do something to make up for it right so soccer taught me a lot about accountability and uh it also taught me about like work ethic because the higher level you play the better physical shape you have to be in but also tactical awareness you have to you have to think through the game soccer is a thinking man's game as well thinking on your feet literally so you know, you have to have a relentless work ethic or else you, you're going to struggle. I know? always say it's like playing chess at 100 miles an hour. It is. And even, though, like, you know, a lot of people will say that some players don't sprint. You know, they'll, they'll say, like, oh, this player's known for being lazy or this guy always looks like he's just, you know, jogging around the field. I'm like, yo, you don't understand how smart that guy actually is because – you may think that he's running slow. He may be running at what he thinks is a fast pace, but the fact that he's in the right position says something about his mentality in the game. So, and that it, that in and of itself is a work ethic because he has to think that much faster to make up for whatever physical, you know, he may lack. So those are two things
0: that... I love it. I love yeah. it. I have to completely agree with him. Those are two huge things that, the game has taught me as well, and I think it teaches a lot of people that play the game. So Brian, now getting into your teenage years, 13, 14, 15, 16,
1: 17,
0: you know, we start growing up, You start becoming a young man, at what age did you realize, this is what I want to do, I want to play professionally? I
1: think I was, I was 15, it was my, it was my sophomore year. Um, my high school, we were district champions, and we went on to win the region, and then we went on to states, and we had a pretty big, uh, like, stadium. I went to Lansdowne High School in Virginia Beach, known for exceptional athletes and and sports. Like, you go into our gymnasium, you see all of the flags and, and and awards just on the walls, and it's crazy. The place is almost covered from floor to ceiling, but um. That's when I. That's when I realized it was it was a, it was a combination of a number of things. It was the preparation, how serious practice got. Everybody brought something else. Like you know, like I, I could tell. Um, like every that year, I was starting as a sophomore on the varsity soccer team. So, and the same guys that I was playing alongside on my high school team, we would play PDL together. So I was playing with older guys in a competitive environment, and it was like work. It was very work like. We got out of school at two. Some guys were on the field as soon as two thirty, working on set pieces, working on playing rondos, playing small sided already. Like it felt like a job. You know, every day we went to school and then we played soccer, and we were an exceptional team. And our coach would push us. You know, Andrew Blackmore, our coach. Used to push us every day, like whether it was fitness, whatever it was, ever. And there was always a competitive element. Um, I loved that. I learned to, you know get beside myself and stop being a kid and start being like, no, like, I'm not a sophomore. I, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I'm not a sophomore in a varsity team. I'm a varsity soccer player. Like I'm, you know, so I'm, I'm going to do this. I'm going to be responsible. I'm going to, so that's the age that I really was like, I kind of like this in high school. I like it in club. I I, I want to, this is what playing soccer as a job is like. So. And do really, you think,
0: Do you think having that mindset of being, you know, accountable on yourself, being competitive, do you think that was caused from something that you learned at home or just being in that soccer environment with competitive coaches and competitive teammates all the time?
1: Um, I think it's both. Definitely both. I mean, my my parents don't have athletic backgrounds, really. Um, Maybe played some, like, extracurricular, like, sport just, you know, for recreation, but – they did, however, you know, give me structure. So I've always been like a pretty structured person. But um, I think being in a soccer environment, like the the background of structure plus the fascination with this area coming together, that's what did it.
0: That's awesome. So at 15, you kind of realized, this is what I want to do.
1: Yeah. Now,
0: after high school is college, when did you start – Looking at colleges or when did the offer start coming in? How did that work?
1: Yeah, junior year high school. um, Seriously, because, I mean, sophomore year, they can't say anything to you. But, you know, you start to see the same jackets and the same colleges rolling around your your club games and your ODP. I was in the the ODP program. So you start seeing some familiar faces. But junior year is when things started to really – you know, I started getting letters and like house visits and stuff like that.
0: How did that feel?
1: How was that whole process for you? Um, surreal. I, I can't think of any. It's crazy um, when people are that interested in you to send you a handwritten letter or to say, hey, you know, come visit us and see what it's like being here. And you're like, wait, what? You know? You want me? You want me to yeah, go to school? exactly. You're like, wait, what? You know? And then they're, what's really crazy is when you sit down and you get those offers. Like, when you're actually sitting in, like, a, a boardroom or a conference room or something like that, like a meeting room of any sort, and you're literally sitting across the table from the man who's about to put a letter in front of you with whatever the offer is, and you're like, oh, really? Like, oh, you really want me to be here? You're willing to make it free? <laughs> it's kind of cool, you know? So where did you end up going to college? Uh, spent my first two years at Howard University, and then I transferred, transferred to Virginia Tech. How was that? Um, that was hard. That was probably one of the most testing times in my life. The jump from high school to college? Not necessarily the jump from high school to college. Um, the, the jump from high school to college was hard. Because I mean, I'm doing the same stuff, I'm still going to school and playing soccer, I'm still traveling for soccer. Why is it not why is it not coming together? Like, why, why are we losing? First of all, I, you know, I just come from being, you know a champion to you know, a very, very hard season. It's very hard to um, it's very hard to lose for me. Um, it's very hard to lose. Um, but you learn you know so um, the physical state that you have to be in to play college soccer like that that jump was Um, eye-opening just and the stats don't lie like if you're not in shape it's very very difficult to play at a competitive level like college
0: Uh, yeah that's a huge factor being (laughs) physically fit being physically ready It's just something that's completely necessary to what the technical ability is. Like, both of them go hand in hand. It's not that one is more than the other.
1: Yeah, well, it's the thing about it is, the truth is, if you don't have some kind of physical ability, you don't get to show the technique. It's just very simple. If you're not up to the standard that we're going to play, you could be a very pass. You could have a soft touch and be a pass-oriented player You're not going to be able to make your passes if you can't get to the ball quick enough and make your decision to get your passes off because people are going to be hunting you down. (laughs) 100%. (laughs) That's how it is.
0: So in college, you go to Howard, you go over to Virginia Tech. After college, you decided to go pro. Or how did that work out? What was Uh, the process like going, you know, maybe – jumping into the program what was that process like what did you do who did you contact
1: I, I at the time i was willing to do anything to go to go pro
0: so that whatever it takes
1: mentality you had yeah that whatever it takes. look i, I remember being on google going to team's websites um copy and pasting staff emails into a word document and and writing emails um just hey, you know, I love a trial, this and that, talking to different agents. I feel like at the time, everybody was an agent. It was crazy. I had met so many youths. I'm like, you're, you're an agent? You're a, you're, you know, you're a U14 girls coach. I didn't know that you were an agent for guys. Why don't you coach the boys team? Like, what? So it was kind of like weird, you know, but at the same time, talking nonetheless, networking, because that network is so important. Um, and then there was some interest. Like, I had some interest from some teams in Germany. Um, and then, you know, I, I really started to kind of dive into what that would entail. And, and then I also got some non-genuine interests and things that just didn't seem like they were very good opportunities for me. But um, nonetheless, I was like, what, what do I have to do to be a professional soccer player?
0: And you, you said a very important word there, networking. I think networking is huge. Absolutely. If you know certain people, they can get you in certain places yeah that that's amazing that you know you knew that at such a young age
1: they you know they say it's not what you know it's who you know it's a bit of both, but who you know, don't neglect it because if you don't know people and people don't know about you, it's not about who you know, it's about who knows you really um if people don't know you,
0: it's who right. you know that gets you there, and it's what you know that keeps you there, right
1: exactly, you couldn't have said it any better. <laughs>
0: So now you're getting in contact with all these clubs. You're trying to break into the professional game. When was your first big break? When did you put that first pen to paper? And how was that feeling?
1: Uh, I think going, uh, going to Jamaica and playing with Harborview.
0: What led you to go to Jamaica?
1: Uh, wanting to play for the Jamaican national team. Wanting to, w- wanting to be around a different style of the game. Yet something comfortable that wasn't going to give me too much of a, of a shock. Um, also, is a bit of a feeder system at the time. Harbor View had a lot of players. Harbor View has a history of sending players. We got um, a, a lot of players in the MLS. For example, one of my good friends, Kamar Lawrence, is the left back. He's playing with New York Red Bulls. Um, we were teammates, roommates, you know, in Jamaica. So um, being around that was that's what I wanted.
0: And that, that first uh, training session in Harborview, how was it? It wasn't much of a shock to you, the difference of level, the culture. <laughs> I mean, you obviously grew up around the culture, but obviously it's different from being in the United States versus being in Jamaica, completely different country.
1: Um, yeah, it was, uh, being in Jamaica was, the, my first three days were, I landed um, and, you know, kind of, I don't know, we kind of got situated, but immediately I went to a game that they had as preseason. And so I had to quickly drop my things <laughs> and we drove to meet the team to go watch them play a preseason match. Um, the day after that, um, the guys who played a lot of minutes in the preseason game, they did more of a rest session. Um, I did fitness with the, guys who, <laughs> with the guys who didn't play much. So, um, yeah, it was hot. It was so hot. <laughs> and we were doing sprints. Uh, we literally did jog the 18-yard line, sprint box to box. Or I think like 40 minutes straight.
0: <laughs> so that's, that's when the physical part comes into play. Because I know in college, yes, you do a lot of physical tests. Professional, yeah. that, those tests continue and you have to be tip-top shape every single day. At,
1: yeah, at, at any and every point, you need to be in good shape. And then the at, next day you play the game and I started. So it was like, head me to the wolves. Here you go. <laughs> so walk us through your, your professional journey.
0: So you started Harborview, where do you go after that? Where do you go after that?
1: Um, so I went to Harborview and I went on a few trials, had an extended time with, at the time, they were the Orange County Blues. Um, now they're, I think they're Orange County Soccer Club in the USL. Um, left there, uh, went to Lansing where I then joined the NPSL team called Lansing United. It was their first year, coached by Eric Rudland. Um, and the owner ended up – the owner, Jeremy Sampson, at the time, he was the general manager for the Lansing at night, which was a USL team um, last year. So um, a great group of guys. I can't say, like, anything bad about them. They don't have a bad bone in their body. They ran an amazing organization. We made the city of Lansing extremely um, happy, and, and we, we gave them a good show. Tyler Pascher, another really good friend of mine along the lines of, of pros that I've played with. Um, Tyler Pasher was my teammate at Lansing United um, and yeah we were close we were roommates and teammates as well just like me and Kamar so after Lansing United and we won a lot of trophies there we had a good time I uh, went to New York Cosmos signed New York Cosmos and played with their B team uh, New York Cosmos B and that was their first year as well um, and that was a really good time coached by Aleko Eskandarian and that is when I was really exposed to um, I mean you're looking you're you're talking about iconic soccer, you know, personalities. Um you're talking about Aleko Escandarian who amazing American soccer player, like amazing guy, like great guy as well, not a bad bone in his body. Um being there with uh all the coaching staff, that was also when Raul and Marco Senna were there and that was their last year uh playing soccer they're retired and to be able to watch Raul train um he was, you know what I'm saying UEFA Champions League leading goal right scorer up. World Cup champion I mean Marco Senna just as much like you know like two icons legends of the game so it's Euros, great.
0: World Cup everything
1: like it's they they've been to the top you know to to be able to watch them ask them questions but it's almost like your training, their training, you just learn from their movements. You learn. I remember one time watching Marco Senna, as a matter of fact, he hit a ball. Oh, he's trying to go over the top of the defense and play somebody running. So he's playing a Diag, just a little ball over the top. And as soon as he hit it, he said, long. And I was like, no, nah, man, it looks like it's good. Like, here I am. I'm like, young boy. No, nah, it looks like it's good. And he said long, again, that's all he said. he said, long, long. And when it hit the grass, sure enough, the ball, because the grass is wet in the morning, it skipped and just started going. And I forget who was running onto the ball. Uh, he didn't catch it, ended up going out for a goal kick. And I was like, man, this guy realized as soon as he touched the ball. I. Only imagine
0: how much of a great experience it was being alongside yeah. those guys. And not only yeah. on the pitch, but also the way they they act, the way they move.
1: How they carry themselves. Yeah, how I they bet. carry
0: themselves, their demeanor, everything.
1: Everything. Everything speaks professional. Everything speaks, you know, champion. They just have a winning mentality. So after New York Cosmos, I went to New Zealand um, and was playing uh, over there for a bit with the uh, club, White Tacker United. Um, That was a good time. That was a good experience because I got to just go to a different part of the world. Um, I got to just you know see a different part of the world, play soccer in some pretty big stadiums. They had a TV deal for games. It was pretty cool. Like that was a that was a good lifestyle. Um, You know they gave me a car. They gave me like a BMW. It was great. It was great treatment. Um, And and to be to be in New Zealand was amazing. Um, That's a part of the world that if anybody gets to go go like Australia and New Zealand are beautiful. and then after that, um, where did it go? oh, Tampa Bay Rowdies.
0: Came back to the states after New Zealand and played at the Rowdies.
1: Yeah, and then I signed the Tampa Bay Rowdies, and that was a really interesting. Um, that was a really interesting year for me, because it was kind of like the last year that the NASL was around, kind of. Uh, that it that it was like you know was the NASL that we knew it to be, but um, I signed with the Rowdies and uh, played on their reserve team that's how I got minutes but I got to meet like a lot of different guys some guys that were on MLS you know like on loan from MLS teams and there that they had a good team that year um, and Joe Cole was that was the year Joe Cole was at the Tampa Bay Rowdies, so he brought a lot of excitement and once again I got to see another legend you know work um, I got to see how Joe Cole played the game It's
0: another legend from a different country exactly uh, amazing and how was that how was that
1: uh, that was just just great to watch like great again g- great to observe uh, you know uh, a world class player what um, would you
0: say was were the similarities in these world class players that you got to train alongside
1: they did it with their eyes closed bro they didn't think on the on the field or at least it didn't look like they were they didn't they didn't take time to think that's what i should say was
0: everything was just automatic Your,
1: like the, all of those things that the intangibles end up becoming so important like if you don't check your shoulders you don't know what's over your shoulder so you don't know who's open or you don't know if you can dribble you don't know how much space you have um waiting your pass uh looking at like the fine details not only on the field but off the field right they matter so much like what side the man that's marking you is on where do you like to receive the ball is it should i play it into your thigh typically you want to play the ball into somebody's thigh if they have time to cover the ball, but you don't just want to, you know, spray one into their midsection. You don't want to put one in their chest. They could get, you know, robbed, you know, somebody could steal it off of them before they get to it. So it's like the fine details that you'd watch these guys do like low driven balls, high bending balls, like the different ways that they played the game, manipulate the ball and manipulate the space and the people around them. It was like, and to do it, in a split second, you know,
0: right off the bat,
1: exactly. I'm like not thinking it looks like it's been rehearsed, but they're really just playing the game the way it should be played. You
0: know, after Rowdies, where did you go?
1: Man, it was a jumble up after that. I would say that the the Tampa Bay Rowdies was my was my last game. Okay, uh, and was there last, was there any
0: particular game? reason?
1: Yeah, I mean, I I, I gotten hurt. Um, that was like my last like full pro soccer gig where I'm you know just just playing soccer not doing anything else because everything that came to Miami was once I got to Miami was semi-pro like soccer in itself had changed everything other than the USL or not the USL but the MLS and really the USL I guess the USL had a a one-up on preparing for how the minor league you know professional soccer leagues were going to be so yeah, I got. I once I got injured, I kind of noticed that I, uh, I didn't bounce back the same. I guess you could say. Um, and then I, 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 it started to feel for me like soccer. I, I kind of lost some of my joy in playing from some of the hardship that I had been through. Like all my career, I did fight adversity. I fought adversity in Jamaica. I mean, I, you know, there was adversity in New Zealand. There's adversity. in There's adversity at Virginia Tech, you know, like in college. So it's just like little splashes of adversity along the way. And whereas I had the mental fortitude to deal with it and I wanted it and I, you know, um, I felt like the adversity that I was dealing with, not only structurally, the amount of available jobs had changed, but for my body to also change, um, it was tough. And I, I just decided, you know, I can serve the game in other ways. Other than being a player, or you know, I can still get my message, my personal message, out there without being a soccer player.
0: I love that you mentioned that because again, it seems like the level of self-awareness that you have of being able to identify that okay, I'm not, I'm not enjoying it as much. My body is, you know, kind of different now after all these injuries. Let's move on to the next step in my life. But that self-awareness, I think, is is amazing. It's something that you know, even I look up to. I think it's great. I think not everybody has that attribute per se.
1: Thanks, man, Thanks, That means a lot. Thank you. And
0: I think it's important that players at a young age that, and even adults uh, now, they need to start learning about themselves more. And that just comes with growth within yeah. over and over and over. You know what thanks, I mean? Thanks, man. But, all right, Brian, so after your whole playing career, now you're living in uh, beautiful Miami, Florida. What's
1: uh, Brian Cunningham up to now, life after saga. Um, Man, there's a lot going on. I got a lot of balls, different balls that I'm juggling in the air. This whole entrepreneurship thing has been such a journey because, I mean, I, I went to school for entrepreneurship. I got, the, I got a degree in entrepreneurship, but there's nothing like being an entrepreneur running your own business, managing people, being accountable, working on multiple things simultaneously. Um, What I've been up to has been a a project that I'm very, very passionate about. It's taken some time to, you know, put together my vision of the kind of entrepreneur that I wanted to be and how, you know, how I wanted or, or what path I wanted, I guess my life, if if I have control over it, you know what what I would want out of out of my life and how I can serve the most amount of people in the most impactful ways and be a positive influence. So, what I've been working on is all of that by ways of business and, and business and sport.
0: And was that something that you've been working on ever since you've been playing, or was it something that you kind of focused on more after playing?
1: It's funny. I've always had like an entrepreneurial mind. I remember. Like flipping sneakers and in, in, in uh like designer clothing or like hot trendy clothing when I was younger um I've always been entrepreneurial I've always turned things into business I've always gotten people uh, I've always gotten people excited about things and wanting to get involved in things so being entrepreneurial is just a spirit uh, of mine and uh yeah i I believe that soccer is a part of my story, so you know being an entrepreneur. So, I guess selling my story, if you will, if that, is a, if that would be the right way to say it. It's um, something that I've always thought I've been doing because I've always thought my life and the things that I've been through have been very interesting.
0: That's awesome. No, definitely. After hearing your story, I think uh, we can all agree, me and the people listening to this, your story has been amazing. It's very you. interesting. You've been through a lot of experiences. But, Brian, just to wrap things up, we always end with two questions. All, all right. right. Let's do it. My first question for you, what is your
1: definition of being a winner? My definition of being a winner is somebody who does what it takes to win. Not winning in a result-oriented mind, but a process-oriented you know, mind. In order to win, what does that entail? Well, you got to keep the ball. You got to score goals. You got to capitalize on opportunities. You got to be responsible. Those are the things that it takes to win, right? The result. You could do all of those things and tie, and you you could tie. You could lose the game, but you did the right thing. You know, you get what I'm saying. It's it's people. It's all the, I saw the
0: little details
1: added up. Exactly. Because, like, I always like to say
0: that. Being a winner is, and I've said it before in another episode, but being a winner is learning how to lose.
1: Yeah, it's learning how to lose. It's learning. It's, it's, it's not because it's very easy to say, oh, what do you want to do? You want to win the game. Okay, cool. We got to wait 90 minutes for that. So let's score a goal in the first minute. Let's keep the ball for two minutes of possession, no turnovers. Let's, you know what I'm saying? Like there's such a process to being a winner that a lot of people try to bypass because they're so focused on the result.
0: And I came across an interesting quote. I don't know the full quote exactly, but it says something along the lines of accepting a negative experience is in itself a positive experience. I don't know the full quote, but it's by Alan Watts. If you guys want to look it up, but it's the backwards law. Yeah. Something along those lines. But It makes sense. It makes sense because you're kind of accepting the situation that you just went through, which means that you're learning from it, which means that you're growing from it, which means yep. that next time, most likely it's not gonna go that way. Most likely you're gonna win. You're gonna get the way you want it to, to go.
1: I feel like if you're doing the right things, the results I mean the results will eventually be inevitable. One hundred percent.
0: Second question for you, Brian. If you could, what advice would you give to 13-year-old Brian?
1: Oh, man. Uh, Just one piece of advice? As Um, many as you want. The number one thing is believe in yourself. Don't don't get wrapped up in results. Don't get wrapped up in any of the other things that are thrown your way. Just be solid in in yourself. Be confident. Because no matter how good you are, if you're not feeling it, Nobody else is going to feel it. I
0: love it. I love it. I think a lot of young players can take that advice and use it for their own journeys. Well, Brian, thank you so much for your time. It was amazing hearing your story, amazing hearing your thoughts, amazing hearing your mindset.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: Guys, again, this is another episode of the Winner Circle, a, a podcast where we dive deep into the mindset of professional soccer players by Grande Sports Training. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already, subscribe. We're available on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Until the next time. Thank you.